Beep boop. Rebooting the lateral show. A sideways look at fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen it's, it's the lateral, lateral show. show. Fasten your, your seatbelts, because here, here we, we go. go. to another edition of the lateral show a sideways look at fantasy football be sure to follow us on twitter at the lateral ff my name is herms you can follow me on twitter at herms nfl we will be talking about scott fish ball 12 in this episode yes the biggest fantasy tournament in the world coming up very soon with oh, dude if you've never been in it before, it's so much fun. And it might be a little intimidating at first, you know, be like, oh, what's all the scoring about? Oh, what are all these rules? Well, don't worry. I have a good group of guests here to help walk you through it. That's the whole theme of the episode. We're going to lay everything out, give you some advice, give you some pointers, and just, you know, go through everything you need to know about Scott Fish Bowl 12. Now to introduce my guests. In alphabetical order, because I don't really know what's fair to who to start with. So, uh, you know him from previous episodes of the show. He has been on this podcast plenty of times before. Uh, and on t- writing everywhere. Honestly, just always cranking out the written articles. So much cool stuff. Golf, so much stuff. But especially with the football stuff, my colleague over at Fantasy Pros, also the Spice King himself, Mr. Bo McBigtime. What is up, my dude? Not much. It finally cooled down below 100 degrees for the first time in about a week and a half. Uh, Today it was 95, which is decent. After 100 and 100 plus a week straight, I think we're 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 in the clear for a little while. And I know your next guest is also in the same region as me. Shout out NorCal. If you're Craig Reith out there watching the show, make sure you take a drink for that one. Um, (laughs) There's plenty more where that came from because we've got a couple NorCal homies on this show. And I'm excited to talk about Scott Fishbowl because we have a lot of ways to go about this sumbitch here. Absolutely. And you have a lot of ways to go about it in your same division, in your live draft, coming up with our next guest. You know him from previous episodes of this show because he's also been on, you know, plenty of episodes of this podcast. The best editor on either side of the Mississippi over at Football Absurdity. It is that boy, Jeff Crisco. What is up, my dude? What is up, Herms? I told myself I would not interrupt you the last two times I've been on. (laughs) I talked before I was introduced. I sat here quietly for for Bo. But yes, Bo and I will be in person for Scott Fishbowl 12. I am so excited. I mean, I'm excited to be here to talk about it. Oh my gosh, dude, it, it's it's going to I'm very I'm very jealous of those of you that get to participate in the live drafts and it, I especially because you get to be on sleeper uh like and, and, and shout out my fantasy league for you know building a platform that can you know do a bunch of different wonky scoring stuff like i get from like that standpoint it's a very flexible platform good for them for doing it but just like it it, it the website looks like it's straight out of 2007 it's just it bothers me you know <laughs> like it really bothers me but hey it is what it is <laughs> that's ironic because that's the last time they updated their website oh yeah 
Yeah. They, were, they were pioneers, but they still are in that horse and buggy phase. Like they never like like they walk so everybody else can run, but they're still walking. <laughs> I joked that the pe- the only people who won Scott the first year I did that one Scotch fishbowl were people who uh actually figured out how to draft. Everybody just auto drafted because it's like you have to click in 12 different places just to find a player to draft. You have Everybody to stand on one foot, yeah. hold your hand, <laughs> recite the Pledge of Allegiance and somehow scratch your back with a clothes hanger at the same time. Yeah, that's why my only league is uh, Scott Fishbowl every year on MFL, except for I got roped into a Debbie league that's on it. No, I'm just... I actually yeah. like MFL. I, I mean, use, using the, the Platinum app lately, even though it's not technically affiliated with MFL, yeah. it makes it a lot easier to draft on, makes it a lot easier to set lineups on, and they have improved the app because it isn't affiliated with mfl so uh it's it's gotten better it's gotten easier um it still has all the customizable features that scott fishbowl really does require uh there's no possible way sleeper could handle that sort of bandwidth for uh all of the divisions of scott fishbowl the way that scott runs it and plus he runs safe league so he's he's already got the mfl coding down as well as anybody in the world yeah, that is true. You know, and it's just also just before we even go any further, shout out Scott Fish, the you know the, the true innovator doing the thing. It's a wonderful thing that you know he puts together every year. Scott Fishbowl, all for charity, all for everything, and uh, it, it's just a wonderful thing. And also just pulling over the card to the side of the road uh, real quick. Speaking of charity, uh, you know, I know this is a football podcast, but you know we've never really been afraid to talk about real shit on this podcast before, and no, nothing's going to stop me from doing it now. Um, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court, it is now a much more dangerous landscape for many women in different parts of the countries as it was before. You know, a lot of people had their rights taken away. Women's rights are human rights, and bodily autonomy is a very, very important thing. Uh, I'm not going to argue with anybody about, you know, when the point of life begins or whatever, and it's not even any sort of, like, you know, ideological or religious thing that I want to argue with anybody. What really is the problem is that you are taking away medical access, particularly for, you know, pregnancies that may harm the life of the mother and any sort of, you know, emergency where, you know, terminating the pregnancy would save their life. Like, that's really what's at stake. Like, for as much as people like to talk about being pro-life, you're, you know, by taking away some of the, you know, some of these you know, states have laws where just no exceptions whatsoever. And like, that's not really pro-life, that's pro-birth. And those are very different things. So, in the episode description, I will have a link to the National Network of Abortion Funds. It's a really cool thing. Uh, you can sort by uh, your you know, local municipalities or townships or whatever. It has a whole list of a bunch of different places all across the United States. So if you want to give money directly to something in your area or you know, like in an area in a state that you are particularly concerned about, namely like uh, Texas or in Oklahoma or one of those states like Wisconsin right now, I was just you know, reading on the news, they're going back to some law in like 18... 18- 49 or something something crazy so just we encourage everybody if you so choose and if that's something that you subscribe to please just consider donating and uh on behalf of myself and mclateral who is not here on this episode the two of us have discussed and we are planning on rolling out uh charity leagues uh through the lateral we're going to be doing some best ball stuff probably hosting them on sleeper and uh instead of asking for a league fee we're just going to ask that people donate just try to contribute to these funds and make sure that people have, you know, safe access to healthcare because that's what it is. It's not a fetal slaughterhouse. It's not anything crazy, you know, like you don't need any sort of like weird picketing. Ah, what are you doing? Ah, it's like it's healthcare. 
it's healthcare. It's 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 bodily autonomy. It's women's rights. It's human rights. So there you go. Got that out of the way. Now we can actually get into the fun stuff. Scott Fishbowl. That's why I love you, Herms. I agree with everything you said, but yeah, that's yep. why I love you, buddy. Ten big ten four, they're good, buddy. Yeah. Um, you're you can't you can't legislate control over somebody else, especially when what you're talking about is our private decisions within everybody's household. It's like you don't have to like it; you just have to respect it. You have to be able to respect a person's personal choice about their own body. And you said bodily autonomy is important. It's the most important because if you don't own the rights to your own body, you really don't own anything. Ain't that the damn truth? Ain't that the damn truth? But fortunately, we all own the autonomy of our rosters. There you go. How about an inappropriate segue? There it is. Scott Fishbowl. 10 out of 10, Herms. Not awkward at all. Yes. All right. There it is. (laughs) That's why they pay me the big bucks, folks. That's why they pay me all the dollars. Scott Fishbowl, it's a big yes. charity tournament, as we discussed. It's a whole thing. Uh, Scott Fish himself, he is the guy behind it. Huge charity thing, a bunch of different leagues. Like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? It's like, yes, like thousands of people were all siphoned off into different divisions. And then at a certain point in the year, it goes into this whole big thing. And then there's like a cutoff for like the total number of points and blah, blah, blah. But before we even get there, like, that's just like a brief summary of what this is. But if you were to describe it to somebody who has never heard of this before, or I guess like just like a first timer who like kind of knows what it is, but doesn't really know like super what to expect. How would you describe it to him? Jeff, I will start with you. Well, what's funny is most of the rules are the same as last year. There's a few changes, but the, the big weird one is the uh, 0.5 points for a completion minus one point for incompletion. And I would describe it's your standard league with tight end premium point per first down and completion percentage matters. That's how I explained it to people last year. And that's what Scott put in the rule this year, where it says he, he cleaned it up. He said, bonus for being over 66% completion percentage. That's how the math works out. So that's what it comes down to is super flex, tight end premium, uh, you know, and passing per, uh, passing completion percentage matters and point per first down. It's it's It looks like a lot, but it's really not when you get into it. Yeah, and and to go a little bit further, it penalizes under sixty six percent completion percentage because the incomplete passes do are do carry negative points to them. Um, what I've heard Scott Fish himself describe the scoring is as balanced as po- could possibly be from position to position, because tight end is one of the most is the position with the most scarcity, and the quarterbacks are the position with the least amount of scarcity. You had to spruce it up away in a way where you're not giving too much credit to pass catching running backs. You're not giving too much credit to uh, slot receivers that just pile on short tar- short area targets, uh, like Juju Smith Schuster. He's not going to be that good of a play in this kind of format because all he does is catch five yard dump offs and fall down. It's going to come down to guys who do extraordinary things. They're going to win matchups for you, and it might not matter what position they play because this type of scoring really just gives me the impression that there's no such thing as a wrong draft strategy because what we saw last year was that the balance of the scoring really meant that if you drafted well, regardless of what strategy you you imposed upon yourself or however the board may have fallen in your division, if you drafted well, you did well. 
And if you picked up the right guys on waivers, you did well. And if you didn't draft well, as in you, you picked the wrong value plays or you took a shot on the wrong guys, you didn't do well. There was no bailouts for this type of scoring format because you just had to pick the best players. And it was, I just love how balanced it is where you can go quarterback heavy and get your, your, two quarterbacks that start in the super flex right away, or you can punt it into oblivion and back yourself into a Derek Carr and a Davis Mills and be fine because you went robust RB or you might go zero RB and load up on all these wide receivers that have a potential of being uh, top guys. There's so many ways to attack this draft that I, I just think that that's the beauty of it is there's no wrong answer to the test. It's just be good or you're not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true, and I think it's uh, it's really important to you know kind of hammer in that fact that you mentioned. Like, it this is a really good place to to try stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, is for a spe- you know a lot of people specifically for this show. I mean, the audience. This is primarily a redraft podcast. That's what we talk about predominantly. There are a lot of you know prevailing strategies that are you know super popular for a reason that a lot of people deploy in you know your more quote unquote typical redraft leagues on an annual basis, but with it being so wonky like if you have something that like you are like pretty sure is going to work you research it a whole bunch and you just really want to go for it this is a good place to go for it and i kind of did a little bit with that uh last year which i think you know kind of just you know transitioning just into like i'm what i'm about to say is not hey tell everybody your strategy but just kind of like go into like (laughs) you know because we've all been in it before just kind of like you know i'm hoping we can go over some stuff that's worked well for us and you know i will start with you know last year was my first year in it so i mean i don't have like a ton of experience but even before we started recording i had mentioned the fact that the thing that i really did best is uh i love building redraft teams with a lot of running backs so i really really focused on that and i looked for guys especially with that first down bonus you know guys that like not only got a lot of volume but were going to be put in situationally to make sure that they were going to be the one advancing the ball over that you know that mark to get to that first down so you know two of my first four picks being Najee Harris and Austin Eckler, boom, really cool. And then in like the RB 30 to 40 range, I managed to pluck the tree and get Damian Harris and James Conner. I think it was RB 32 and RB 38 respectively, which in hindsight sounds ridiculous, but it's true. And I have proof, but, but like, but yeah. And it's like, like, you got like 30 touchdowns between those two. That's ridiculous. I know. (laughs) Plus, plus the 20 touchdowns from Eckler and then Mm -hmm. the 300 fantasy points from, from Najee. Yeah. Oh, what, Najee scored like 318 points last year. You mean you, you crazy. You, yeah, Herbs, can you level? Then, did you just bring us on to like brag about your fantasy about your Scott Fishbowl team from last year? Is look, that what I didn't win the tournament. Silver Springs, Maryland division with this guy here. Just watch out. Just watch out for this in the Silver Springs division because Herms is a sneaky cat, man. He he knows his stuff redraft wise. You're gonna get you're gonna he, he's gonna get the value later on. Like that James Conner pick is just nitrous it's so hot that's 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 an amazing pick especially in retrospect because i was completely off james connor last year and i paid the price for it because a lot of times i'm in so many leagues i like to diversify a lot of times and i didn't still didn't have any james connor because i thought he was just rusted out and done and he was the opposite of that i remember hearing herms there was a question on an episode of the lateral last summer where somebody asked what if what if james connor is just Kenyon drake and whoever asked that question was a smart guy. <laughs> my question. That was that was my the, the thing that I was hammering all offseason. I'm like, what if he's just Kenyon Drake? And he's like RB in the RB 30s. You know, that's, you know, 
Yeah. That's that's and and that's the reason why I ended up taking him a lot of places last year, just because of it. Well, also, like I have the beautiful handicap of being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan that helped me and make that educated pick. I was just like, well, I already know what he can do. <laughs> so, like, you know, like it, but either way, I digress. Um, the like I chose to build my team through just like the the strength of it is going to just be like high volume running backs that are just like the floor is going to be there. I can fill in the ancillary pieces everywhere else. Like that's kind of how I did it. I had a lot of success with that. Uh, I might do a little bit of that again this year, but you know, we'll save a little bit, you know, about some of that stuff as we go on. But um, Bo, is there anything that you've done in the past that you found to be particularly beneficial that you would recommend to people? Well, I mean, it's that age old thing. Shout out to Dave Kluge, my good friend there in Colorado. Where he likes to sarcastically tweet out every couple of weeks, uh, very simply draft the players that don't get hurt. Um, my first year was in Scott Fishbowl 10, two years ago, and I was a fan and I drafted a really good team. I started off really hot and then all eight of my top eight picks in that Scott Fishbowl went down with season ending injuries oh, or injuries no. that took them into the playoffs where mm. I was, I was pretty much done because both of my quarterbacks, I had Dak Prescott who broke his ankle and I had Joe Burrow who tore up his knee. Those are my two quarterbacks that year and they were doing great before they got hurt. And then I had Joe Mixon. He was out. Uh, I had pretty much eight picks. All of them got hurt and I was pretty much piecing together the rest of the year just to show some respect to the game itself. I'm not going to, I'm not going to just throw a crap line about there, even though it looked crappy. I set a lot <laughs> up every week and last year I did better staying healthy until the kind of the, towards the end, just barely missed out on the playoffs because I had some really stinker weeks early on who would have thought that Patrick Mahomes of all people would have killed me record wise for his early season performance because with all the negative points for interceptions he i think he had like 14 interceptions the first half of the year and and just tanked me because my record was was i was getting negative points from my number one pick I, you're you're pretty much toast after that you can't recover yeah yeah when i was go you mentioned uh the players that draft the players don't get hurt uh, you know kluge said is um i was clicking through a lot of the scott fishbowl um 11 stuff trying to find you know piece together some information about what went on last year i feel bad for a lot of 101s who had christian mccaffrey oh, <laughs> i was <boy. laughs> i was clicking through a lot of drafts. all of them yeah going oh i'm sorry dude oh i'm sorry dude just trying <laughs> to just clicking through them um but what i've done in the past herms to to answer your question is um mm -hmm. i've been in this is going to be my third scott fishbowl and uh bo you can take notes since we'll be drafted together what i what i've tried to do <laughs> is because like bo mentioned is is the goal of scott fishbowl is to kind of flatten the difference between positions so I'm not trying to go so hard at any particular position, but what I've tried to do is with my first eight picks, I try to make sure that I'm not backed into a corner with picks nine through 12, or I'm not going, Oh my God, I need to get a blank. Oh my God. I need to get a quarterback a running back, a, you know, whatever I'm trying to get nice and balanced with my first eight picks. Cause then I can take upside later on and differentiating <clears throat> picks. And if those, if those miss, nobody, I, we were joking before the podcast. I accidentally took Trey Sermon in round 10 because I screwed up my uh yeah, Bo's taking notes. I screwed up my I screwed up my cue. It was supposed to be Jared Goff, and I accidentally took Trey Sermon. And um oh, geez, man, you was, were really, really down bad there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was my third. So I took Jared Goff in a lot of places because I was like, he's gonna suck, but in a two quarterback league, he's gonna start all 17 games. So I'll take him. Um, but yeah, I was down bad. I uh 
I ended up having to start Mike White because I missed on Jared Goff, if you want to know how damn bad I was. But I still out. made the playoffs because I wasn't I wasn't SOL at any position. And um, I did that intentionally to kind of build a balanced roster, because here's the thing with a league like Scott Fishbowl, too. There's a ton of roster spots is Herms. I, I recognize your strategy. It's not my strategy, because one of the things is, is that your second running back is less important the more roster spots you have. And that second running back spot is always such a pain in the ass to try to fill. Like you can, that's why hero RB is such a big thing now. So I took, you know, I whiffed on miles Gaskin in round six, six. It didn't matter. Cause I got AJ Dillon later. I just never flexed a second running back. I just never, or I just never flexed a running back. It was all wide receivers and, and kickers, which is we're, we're beating around the bush on kickers here. <laughs> we don't want to talk about them. <laughs> But I'm surprised I, you didn't mention the most important position in all of Scott Fishbowl scoring, the tight end position. Man, if you're like, I, I, oh, this, this is the one thing I'm going to give you, Jeff, for strategy against me. If we're if we're kind of in the same vicinity in the same draft, because I think there's two San Francisco drafts, mm-hmm. is to watch out for those first five tight ends off the board because I'm going to try to get as many of those guys as I can. Because with this many flex spots and tight end spots, if I can bully tight end this type of draft, I will. And I, my first five picks might be all quarterbacks and tight ends if it falls that way. Because I can take take care of my like, quarterback and super flex. I don't have to worry about picking a negative point quarterback later on. And I can take away all of the options at the most scarce position in a premium scoring type of setup here, where if I have Kittle, Kelsey and Pitts and nobody else has really, there's only a couple left for the whole top five tight end spectrum and then big, massive drop off in talent and scoring. I'm going to take, I'm going to have so much leverage on the rest of the league that it's going to, it's going to be, make it really hard for them to not punt the position and try to edge me out at the other positions where um, I might not see it as much of a priority to go early. Last year I picked 104 and I took Kelsey and two quarterbacks and that was kind of what I was planning on doing this year too. So, uh, but again, it depends on how it falls. I'm not going to be, you know, if, if quarterback gets completely dried up in the first couple of picks, I'll take two tight ends or I'll take, Austin Eckler, if he falls, because everybody's drafting quarterbacks, you know, I'll, I'll, you got to stay fluid. And that's why I wanted to try to get balance at every position to start off, because that keeps me from getting, uh, from getting Mick big timed and being like, oh man, <laughs> Bo took all the players at this position. I'm stuck. You know, I have to start, um, I have to start Austin Hooper as my tight end and I'm just completely screwed. And and that's why I take the balance with the first eight picks, because that way nobody's going to bully me into us into a spot. And then I can just pick pick and choose my spots from there on to to build my roster and and take upside shots from there. And I think that's why I drafted Tyrell Williams. I'm still trying to I'm still looking at that pick going, why in the hell did I draft Tyrell Williams? Hey, I didn't I don't know either, because I didn't even think he would make the team. And well, what do you know? Hey, he had two point nine points, apparently, <laughs> according to this. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, but I, I think I think that's a lot of, you know, kind of sage wisdom that we have thrown out there, at least in terms of, you know, overall philosophy. And uh, it brings me to uh, the one of one of the mailbag questions we got, because I I don't know if I mentioned it in the introduction, but this is also like a hybrid mailbag show because I wanted to, you know, source questions from people. And uh, this one kind of ties in uh, pretty well. 
Um, this one comes from uh, the homie uh, Mike Nargi or Mike Nargi. I never figured out if it's a soft or hard G, so I apologize if I mispronounce your name. But uh... <laughs> let's go yogging with Mike Nargi. It's there actually si- yes. it's actually silent. It's just nar. Yes. Uh, so uh, he came from the best ball satellite last year. Uh, that's that's kind of how he found his way into this. And, uh, you know, speaking about, you know, just we we talked about a lot of the different positions. But, you know, Jeff, like you said, we kind of beat around the whole kicker thing. Mm-hmm. He, he directly asked about kickers. Um, like, when does it make sense to start considering kickers and how many should you take like that that was kind of the big thing for him because he kind of stated like it was a really interesting thing coming from the best ball part of it because of the fact like well you know with the scoring format and stuff it makes sense to do that in the best ball variety of this but since this is a a redraft thing obviously you know it's a little bit of a different calculus you have to consider so the floor is open. I, I will mention before we get into that, the key difference about kicker scoring last year versus this year is that last year, I mean, you would get you know penalized out the wazoo, you know, if the kicker didn't make that kick. But now it's a little bit more, you know, forgiving. So, like, it, it at least provides a little bit more security for kickers. So I do want to throw that out there. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, well, I think I started. Did I start with you last time, Jeff? I can start this time. I can do that. I think sure. you started. Let, with yeah, let him take the kicker sure. question because right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let I'm gonna let him put himself on a tee for me to just whack later. Linda, this one's for you. Um, so <laughs> what I did last year and kind of what I plan on doing this year was I drafted a kicker in round 16, and I didn't break the seal. I don't plan on taking the first kicker. And what I did was when I looked around and I went, "Who the hell am I gonna pick?" That's when I that's when I got a kicker. That's why I got a kicker. Don't go out and get like three or four kickers or anything like that, because it's going to vary league to league. But there are going to be people who, for a prideful reason, will not roster as many kickers as they should, which you could probably get away with rostering, too. Um, But they'll be on the waiver wire. So you don't have to draft them. Now, Mm -hmm. Bo and I are playing in one of the sleeper leagues, which by the rules, you have to have a kicker. So it'll be a little bit different in our league. I think the sleeper leagues, the kickers are going to be a little bit scarcer because you have to roster one. So that means people are going to roster two. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a couple of them. But on the MFL leagues, it's it's optional. So you, you're just kind of playing chicken with the rest of your league. I would not be the one that takes the first one. I also would not be the one that takes Justin Tucker. Specifically, because Justin yeah. Tucker gets overdrafted every year because he's always the first guy taken well usually last year was young way coop but he's usually the first guy taken and he's never finished first he's just always up in the top five he's like mike trout in baseball where he's usually not number one but he's around like the top five so that's what i would do with kickers and this year because there's no negatives there's it doesn't hurt as much you know i was i was i i was crunching numbers i was late to the record because i was crunching kicker numbers and you know it's it's the best ones are roughly comparable to your like back end wide receiver running back twos so you're not talking about game changers but you're also talking about guys that are more roster filler than or you know roster glue guys than anything else i feel that what do you got though yeah, so because I'm forced to roster at least one kicker, that's precisely what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, and the only reason is because even with the advantageous scoring where kickers, there's probably going to be more than a handful of kickers that reach 200 plus fantasy points over the course of the season. 
guessing which ones are going to be those guys is darn near impossible. That's the, that's my problem with drafting kickers, at least before like the very final rounds of a draft is because I could take Graham Gano and hope that he reproduces what he did last year, but I don't know. I'd say, yeah, he's certainly capable of putting up a 20 point week, but he's just as capable of putting up a three point week. And if I started him when I didn't need to last year at MFL, you're screwed because you don't have a baseline. You don't have, if a, if a team goes out there and scores touchdowns on all their drives and they just kick in extra points, or they're not even reaching the red zone like the New York Giants did many, many times last year, is you you have your you have the highest scoring kicker, but he's not a steady asset. And he has a similar floor and ceiling, but he's more likely to hit the floor than the ceiling. And I don't like that, especially in a league where I have to start one. I'm gonna wait as long as possible and get a guy like I don't even know, like just pick a random kicker and chances are that guy is just as likely to be the top kicker in the league as Justin Tucker would be multiple rounds earlier. That's, that's just where I stand is I'm not going to go after a certain kicker to fill my roster spot because in the end, I'm, I know I'm not going to have a high probability of nailing which kickers are going to be the best ones. I think you can treat it like we used to treat uh one quarterback league quarterback, right? You can yes. just wait around and get a guy like to 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 your point. I the the quarter the kicker I drafted was Harrison Bucker. The kicker I used all year was Nick Folk, who I got off of waivers yep. in like week two. So yep. it's you you it's so stupid because to say this because every, the, the whole league's like this, but you just gotta wait and see. Like a kicker will show himself. Yeah. Like um you know um uh, Herms, you said Chris Boswell. Well, he was yes, the kicker. Woo. He would have been the kicker four last year in these settings, and you got him. You just scoop, scooped him up. And yep. Bo, you said four, maybe a handful of guys, four guys would have scored 200 points in these scoring settings last year. So what you're really talking about is the very top of the kickers are your kind of flexish plays. You don't want to go out of your way to get one because if you are making a decision, you're like, I'm going to start this kicker this week and I feel good about it. Oh boy. <laughs> Just wrong. be happy there's no there's no um buy-in for this league if that's your thought process. It's like you have a better chance of picking the right side to flip your USB cord and plug it in the right way the first time. That's a 50-50 shot. And you still <laughs> seem to get it wrong every time plugging a USB port in. Um so yeah, it's for me it's like okay, I have a what four or five, maybe even six out of 32 chance to get a good kicker. Mm-hmm. So one out of eight let's give it let's say it what it is you have a one out of eight chance of drafting a kicker who's going to be worth a flex spot if you're not forced to start one and for me that does that it's exactly like jeff said where it's like a single quarterback league where i've been known to take a, just whatever guy is left over after after even 24 guys go you could you could get the 12th quarterback off the board in a single quarterback league or you get the 15th or the 18th or the 24th or the 32nd um it really doesn't matter if the guy that you pick ends up being a good value for the round that you take him in uh it's that's i'd rather i'd rather put my high stakes high upside picks before the kicker because i think it's more important to land a sleeper than it is for me to plug in the right kicker that is going to score between 10 and 15 points on a good week. Yeah. You know, and I think that, uh, I think that pretty much, uh, 
encompasses a lot of the attitudes that people need to have toward kicker like yes it is going to be more forgiving but you know everything that's been said is still very true because at best the top guys are only going to be like was said you know like maybe around like your back end rb2 wide receiver two type value it's really not that big a deal definitely don't focus on it too much i can speak from experience i was that asshole that got way too excited and drafted young way and jason sanders last year and then as was stated i ended up actually getting value out of chris boswell who i picked up off waivers so it's just like yeah don't waste your time with it but i will i, I i'm gonna throw this one out as a freebie though before we move on because i actually do have a name to recommend because i am kind of excited about this and i got this guy a lot in the uh fantasy cares eliminator drafts now it's a different format obviously but it's still like a very you know like a like a kicker type thing so i had to start thinking about kickers early way earlier than i normally ever think about them uh will lutz new orleans saints kicker now he missed basically all of last year because he had some like weird whatever injury somewhere in the lower half of his body yeah yeah spinal cord injury yeah, so like super scary, like, but it seems like he's going to try and play. And if he does play in the past, he's done incredibly well. He's a very accurate kicker and he plays at least half of those games in a dome. And that's pretty cool stuff. So just like, I, if I'm going to dangle out a freebie of somebody that, like, again, don't take anybody super early, take a shot on somebody late, see what happens if you have to. That is my one recommendation to people. Just if you want to, if you have to, you could wait on the guy that before the spinal cord injury was one of the best kickers in the league that people are forgetting about. So that's my free Herms kicker nugget of the day for all of you. <laughs> and and not to uh, double up on, on the kicker thing, but Will Lutz is also going to play for a team that's going to have a lot of uh, just kind of dink and dunk plays. I mean, if they things go the way they want to, they're building their offense around Jarvis Landry and, Michael Thomas and Mark Ingram for 11 games or so, it sounds like. So th those are the type of teams that are on, they're going to stall out in the red zone a lot. So there's going to be a lot of kicks for Will Lutz, and they're unlikely to get, um, you know, the the Jamar Chase 50-yard touchdowns because oh, Chris, you don't Olave, like Chris Olave. Chris Olave could do it, but the, the man's not going to get the volume to, to, to do the Jamar Chase. So um i and, i think you might be you might be wrong about that because not just olave but marcus calloway is set to go damn. to the moon and everybody hates marcus calloway but i don't i think he's special i'd rather deontay hardy than marcus calloway gross <laughs> sorry no, i i watched deontay when he was deontay harris i watched deontay hardy just obliterate the 49ers for a whole game and i wanted to strangle the guy but he is so good and he's he was good with Jameis Winston last year and I would rather him than Marcus Callaway but I like Chris Olave the problem is is their top three targets are if everything goes as planned are going to be Jarvis Landry Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara it's like are we going to see Michael Thomas ever again because I really don't No, he's gone he's he took he took a SpaceX flight he he's out of here Lord yeah, I'd be shocked if I, I'd be shocked if that dude didn't re-aggravate his ankle injury right before the season starts again for the third time in a row. I don't know because here's the here's here's my thought. Here's my thought. I don't think that the reason he was gone was so much a pain in his ankle, but it was a pain in his ass, and his name was Sean Payton. And Sean, Payton's, and Sean Payton's gone. So I think that that might be a big part of him potentially coming back. Though the man has just fallen off the face of the earth. Who knows? Anyways, yeah. kickers. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I think that's uh, it, it's 
I don't need, I don't know what to make of the New Orleans Saints offense. It's been such a pain in the ass because I, I I finished a rankings update uh, at the time that people will be hearing this two days ago, and I'm just it's so frustrating. I don't know what to do with that offense. It's going to be frustrating as hell to think about, let alone even Camp's going to tell us a lot. I hope we'll we'll have to see about that. But um, at any rate, uh, I was going to ask about mistakes that we've made, but I I also kind of feel like in a way we've kind of identified the mistakes by talking about the things to do. So like, I, I will throw it out there if somebody has something we didn't say, but you know, that's, that's up to y'all. I don't know. (laughs) Well, here's the thing is, is I don't make mistakes. I got the Thomas Edison thing where it's, I didn't fail at making a a winning team 99 times. I fail. I figured out 99 ways to not make a winning team. So there and we I'm, go. I'm taking the Bob Ross approach where it's just happy accident. <laughs> there you um, go. I would Even say though- that some some of my matchups that I lost last year, um, which kind of killed me, were just getting too cute with setting my lineup. Um, you have 11 starting positions, uh, super flex, and really all of your solid early picks never should come out of your starting lineup. No matter what, no matter how tough their matchup is, you stick to your studs. And maybe with this many flex spots that you're starting, you might take a flyer on one or two of them with like a high upside play and a good matchup, but don't get cute when you're setting your lineup. It's just, there's so many players that are starting for you. Don't be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to bench DeAndre Swift because he's playing the 49ers or, or the Buccaneers. Like don't get cute Mm -hmm. with, with decision-making because, because you don't think the guy's going to have a big game because we've seen it so many times where matchups don't really tell the whole story. You could have like, what if it's just a bad matchup for that defense going against a stud running back? Like you just don't know what, how it's going to shake out and the better players usually are going to have the biggest games. You just, I, that's what, that's what I've done is I've lost before just by getting cute by setting my lineup with, stupid decisions playing a bunch of nobodies instead of just playing the best guys I had. Yeah. I was really only making three out of the 11 spots last year. I was really only probably making about three choices a week. Everything else was just automatic. And then it was, you know, down at the bottom and and a lot of it was deciding if I was going to start a kicker over, you know, uh, player X, for example, you know, I'm not going to talk about all the bad down roster guys I had, but um, you don't, you don't want to be, you know, don't, there's been backlash against the saying, but it's the saying for the reason don't sit your studs, especially in Scott fishbowl. You got 11 guys. You got to start, just start your best players. Just every good time. players are good. Even in bad <laughs> matchups, a lot of the time. And, um, even if they're bad, you need, it, it takes two things and people don't think about this. You need to be right about the stud being bad and you need to be right about the sleeper being good so there's this like narrow overlap where your call was correct and it might not even be correct you just got lucky so just start your best players just don't get cute that's you know that's that's definitely a good philosophy to follow you know if you have good players you gotta start those good players, which transitions nicely into my question for everybody, uh, including myself, because I have a few names I want to shout out. Uh, players that we think might be pretty good for this uh, this year, because I think that I I don't know about the two of you, but I've done a few mocks at this point. I'm sure we've all done some mock drafts. Uh, there are some players that are, you know, presenting some pretty interesting value that I think people should be aware of. 
um just in terms of like wow if you draft this guy around this round i think it'll really make a difference for you in the scott fishbowl this year so just to kind of give a frame of reference because i didn't make a show sheet and i'm just literally springing every question on the two of you i will start with an example some of the mock drafts that i've done i have noticed Steelers wide receiver chase claypool is available around like round 10 or 11. Now we can say a lot of things about Chase Claypool that are totally fair. I understand why he's, you know, kind of viewed lower down to some degree, but like that type of player with that type of ceiling in like round 10 or 11 in that offense, like, and I will say like, I've harped on this plenty of times on this podcast and any other podcast that will allow me to harp on it as the Steelers fan in the room, Matt Canada's offense kind of had to be somewhat modified for the immobile sack of potatoes with a rubber band slingshot named Ben Roethlisberger. The fact that Mitch Trubisky actually can move his body at more than 0.3 miles per hour and can actually throw a ball more than, you know, four feet in front of him that will lend itself to things being pretty good. And I actually feel pretty good about the Steelers receivers this year. I do feel good about what Chase Claypool can offer to this team, because if we really look at the stats from his rookie year into year two, a lot of like the receptions and the yardage stuff, at least in terms of pacing, he was pacing to do a lot of the same stuff. It's the touchdown department that kind of shut down. That is something that, you know, and we don't really know how much of that had to do with Ben Roethlisberger. But again, as a fan, I would venture to say that it kind of had a lot to do with it. There was not a lot of juice left in that arm to be able to take advantage of the archetype of player that Chase Claypool is a younger quarterback that actually has the arm to complete these much you know, longer throws for a player with an A dot like Chase Claypool has, I think could be something that will present an insane value to you if you grab somebody like Chase Claypool that late. I'm definitely expecting him to bounce back. I, in my updated rankings that I did, uh, you know, last night, I have Chase Claypool, wide receiver 32. Is that aggressive? I don't know. It's 14 spots ahead of consensus according to Fantasy Pros, but you know what? I love it. That's what I'm going for. That is my example of a player who I think could be pretty good for this at a good value. Now that I've laid that out, uh, Bo, I'll start with you. Uh, who do you think, like, like a, a player or a couple players, whatever, that you are looking at in these mocks and you're just like, Jesus, if people take this guy, they're going to be laughing to the bank. I mean, it's not a popular choice, but there's a couple running backs here that are being drafted in the quote-unquote running back dead zone. And this season, the difference is the dead zone last year was a complete failure of zero RB theory, where a lot of the top running backs overall were picked between the middle of the second round and the fourth round in the quote unquote dead zone. This year, there's even more guys in that range that are great running backs that are in supposedly different scenarios than last year. Uh, I'm talking about Antonio Gibson going as the 38th running back uh, or 38th overall 14th running back. And I think that his upside is still much higher than that. And I like your Claypool example. I don't like him particularly as a player, but I like your ranking of him because it takes into account his immense upside because you don't find too many guys who are six, four that can run a four, three, like he, he does. And everybody in that offense got an upgrade, whether you like it or not, Everybody in that offense, every single skill position player in that offense got an upgrade. Ben Roethlisberger was an absolute corpse out there. Yeah. And 
if you're saying, oh, it's going to be bad for Deontay Johnson. No, he's uh, he's wheels up, too. Um, the only concern with Claypool for me is that I think they drafted two of his replacements, to be honest. Calvin Austin and George Pickens, I think, are both just as, if not more talented across the board as in, in all-encompassing wide receiver traits than Claypool, and they're a lot cheaper. But getting back to Gibson, uh, the narrative is, oh, they drafted Brian Robinson to take away the goal line and carries and the third the third and short carries, the, the short yardage. And they still, they brought back the 28, 29-year-old J.D. McKissick to steal away his third down receiving yard. Antonio Gibson had the fourth most touches of all running backs last year, and McKissick was still viable. You can still get McKissick later on. But Antonio Gibson's an absolute stud. The dude's 6'2", 220, and runs a 4'3", They're not going to take him off the field. He has the size, the speed, the ability. He catches the ball extremely well. He's dangerous in the open field, and he's big and tough in short yardage. I mean, one, from what I saw at Bama from Brian Robinson, that dude's going to barely see the field this season. So you can miss me with all the BS around Antonio Gibson's dwindling snap share before it even before we start the season, but I think he's got top five upside still this year because I think he's going to score a lot of long touchdowns. He's going to score. He's going to catch a lot of passes on first and second down because, really, to be honest, Carson Wentz is not very good. But if we know one thing about him, is that he will shovel a pass over his shoulder, not looking in the vicinity of a running back because <laughs> he's running out of options and he's held the ball for eight seconds already. Um, and so I, I think Gibson has so much upside that people are just ignoring because they assume he's going to lose his job for no reason. The dude did all that last year with a sh- fractured shin and a turf toe injury that lingered. So now that he's healthy, are we, are we really going to think that a guy that talented isn't going to put up humongous numbers again? I just, I just don't think that that's the case. So I'm, I'm taking a Gibson well ahead of consensus. And like, I will say, like, we have differing opinions about the player, but to your point, in some of the mocks that I did, it was a little weird to see some of the names that he went behind. That is, that is objectively fair. You know, it's just something to keep an eye on. That is a good call. Jeff, do you have a good call for us as well? Oh, I'm supposed to make good calls? <laughs> no, no, I mean, it, not, not this year not this not, year not you, this year you, you okay take that you can take the year off jeff yeah it's for right, just, just really just really quick to both point on on antonio gibson is people worried about this calf or the, the shin splints and the stuff that he was dealing with and just go look at how many touches they gave him after the bye and you tell me if washington was worried about his legs it was getting like 22 touches per game after the bye so don't don't even worry about that um if you have like you can have concerns about like uh antonio gibson maybe not living up to the expectations that we had for him so far he's still been really good the problem is is antonio gibson has suffered from us going oh, what if this guy that got drafted low is really good? And then he did that. And it's like, what if he's even better? And he was really good, but he wasn't quite, you know, people are talking about he could be the number one. Like, I think he's suffering from that. Anyways, I was pontificating because I'm going to tell you guys a secret. I haven't done any mock drafts yet for Scott Fishbowl. I've just, because I, because they've been coming out and I like to do it the week of, because then a lot of the data has settled down. A lot of people have gotten their strategies out of the way. So I've been looking at fantasymocks.com ADP on this. And, um, you know, there's a couple of picks here in the seventies that I think are going way too low. I think that especially in leagues like this, where point per first down, uh, you know, point per reception or half point per reception, half point per first down. Sorry. Uh, I want to be precise. Um, 
I feel like a broken record because he's the only player I ever talked about. Brandon Cooks picked 75. Yes, thank God. Oh, my God. Sorry. Oh, God. Tell me. Oh, so, get, so and Jeff, Jeff, can you enlighten the, the listeners on where where is Brandon Cooks from? Uh, where is Brandon Cooks from? I don't know where he's from. Stockton, California. Oh, Shout there we go. <laughs> Shout out Stockton, California, baby. Central Valley. Shout out he grew up where warm as hell. Oh, yeah, he went to Lincoln High School. There we go. Yep. All right. Um, so uh, pick 75 by ADP right now. Um, I don't want to name drop. We had a, another analyst on our podcast that we recorded earlier today. He has Brandon Cooks going as, as by projections, his wide receiver six. <laughs> Granted, he said, I don't need him to have for him to be my wide receiver six. I'll move him down. Obviously. He's my wide receiver 12 by projections, because here's the thing. The Texans aren't good. Okay. Texans no. are not good. <laughs> and that means that they're not going to score a lot of points, which is bad, right? You don't, you got, you want your wide receiver to score lots of points, but Typically, yes. yeah. I'm not scared of John Mechie. I'm not scared of Nico Collins. They've got Marlon Mack, Damian Pierce, Rex Burkhead in the running back room. The only other guy who's going to challenge him for targets is a, is Brevin Jordan, who is a second year tight end. So if they need a first down, they will throw the ball to him. That is what's going to happen. It is go it is we cannot underestimate how point per first down offsets bad offenses when there's one focused person because everybody goes LOL Texans, you know, don't want Brandon Cooks. And that's why he's picked 75. Because why would why would we do that? You know, I I, I want to go get Gabe Davis instead. <laughs> the the eternal fantasy uh Twitter battle, which Gabe Davis does go pick 97. It's a little more, more rational here. It's not best ball. The other guy that I want that I think is going too low is uh, pick seventy seven. I'm gonna have trouble deciding between them. AJ Dillon. Oh wow, that's way too late. That is way Completely too agree. late. Yeah, that Completely is insanely agree. late. This is fantasy mocks data, so I don't know if real because I don't I don't do mocks till the week up because I want it to all settle down. But pick seventy seven. I mean, I don't know how this Packers offense runs if Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon aren't the main focus of this offense. And it's a situation where I I'm fine taking Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and starting them both every week, because between them, they're going to get so many targets. They're, they're probably, you're probably looking at 10 to 11 targets per game between them, which is great. Um, they're going to get a lot of first downs, especially AJ Dillon. He's going to get the hard first downs. You think it's, you know, third and one, who are they going to run up the middle? Is it going to be Aaron Jones or is it going to be AJ Dillon? It's going to be, it's going to be baby Derrick Henry. That's who they're going to run up. That's who they're going to run up the middle. So at pick 77, I think that that is not fully accounting for what the Packers offense is going to look like, especially the cheap points, because that's the thing is a lot of these things you want to get the cheap points. That's why I love PPR running ppr running backs which people hate me for for touting them but that's the cheap points this doesn't have to be a hard game if it's second and one third and one it's going to be aj Dillon up the middle and he's going to get that first down and you're going to get a half point and that's easy so aj Dillon 77 brandon cook 70 sorry 75.33 for brandon cooks i think those are both great values um i'm looking through here too i can uh i, I was trying to find um another player but i think uh, I, I'll, I'll stop bogarting the time. Hey, those are those are good names to shout out, man. I mean, straight up, like that's that's what it's Zach all about. Zacherts pick ninety six. He's gonna have oh, like a twenty five percent target share this year. Yes. Oh yes. man, yeah, I'm glad you so glad you said Zacherts because I got two guys that are twice as late that are gonna probably oh. outscore Zacherts this year at the tight end position. 
I'm looking at two guys I have much higher than consensus at tight end, Irv Smith and Cole Kmet. Uh, oh, Cole Kmet, yes! Oh, Cole If we're talking about volume, though, uh, Cole Kmet's in an offense with absolutely no receiving competition, uh, especially for the middle of the field where Mooney's going to have the boundary. Justin Fields got a cannon. Cole Komet's a really gifted route runner, and he's he's a target hog already. Even with Jimmy Graham there, he was getting a lot more targets than Jimmy, but Jimmy's just big and tall, and they threw him in in the red zone. Uh, there's no Jimmy this year. Cole Komet's going to be pretty much a lock to crack 100 targets, and in this scoring, it's going to be massive. Uh, Irv Smith, we're talking about a Rams disciple offense, and whatever you want to say about Tyler Higby, he's not good at football. Irv Smith is good at football mm-hmm. and this offense has an older Adam Thielen. Who's going to score probably still score 10 touchdowns somehow this year. Of course they have the best receiver in the game right now, Justin Jefferson and they have Dalvin cook, but that tight end position in the O'Connell offense is extremely important, extremely important. And Irv Smith is literally the only guy I've ever heard of on the roster at the tight end position. He has no competition at the tight end position and they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel and with tight ends they're going to they're going to flex them into the slot quite a bit just like Higby where the he the yards after the catch for Irv Smith are going to be massive and we're talking about 149 in the ECR for for Irv Smith and then 117 for Cole Komet uh yeah. I think both of those guys can outscore Zach Ertz, especially with Ertz's newfound competition in the form of Colorado State rookie Trey McBride. Yeah, dude. And like it, I got some fun facts about the both of them, but I'll start with Irv Smith because this is the thing that's particularly intriguing to me. Like with the Rams offense kind of just like being what it is just as an archetypal thing. Well, uh, playbook archetype anyway that like people like to you know copy and paste we've seen it you know in places like you know cincinnati you know with you know disciples that you know stem from the mcveigh tree like a lot of the same you know practices are implemented if they do the whole three wide receiver thing a lot that people are kind of talking about them doing one of the interesting things about irv smith uh toward the end of uh the last year that he was healthy not last year because he didn't he didn't play last year because he was hurt but the last year we saw him on a field it was interesting i i remember i can't remember what it was but it was a it was a piece on rotoviz that i read that like highlighted the fact that they were willing to mix up his route responsibility not only just like from like in line doing tight end stuff, but also a little bit out of doing a little bit more receiver type assignments, which is something I think a lot of people need to keep in mind because his athletic profile and also like think back to when we saw him at Alabama, like it's very clear this dude, like, yes, he's a tight end, but he's more than just your traditional tight end. He's a very, very talented athlete. People are looking about, okay, so we got Justin Jefferson. We got Adam Thielen. Uh, does that mean KJ Osborne? Maybe, but Irv Smith is physically capable of mixing in and out and rotating from inline and a little bit further out to do some more like traditional wide receiver, quote unquote, type responsibilities. That's something that I think a lot of people are really underselling that really needs to be focused on. And then the Cole Komet thing that's really fascinating, just real quick, because I wrote about it in my uh, my latest Fantasy Pros article. Uh, well, actually, not my latest, two articles ago. Not the point. Last year, seventh in tight end target share. Within the top 10, you love this. You love that. Everything at the tight end position is all about we need the volume. We really need the volume because it's either volume or touchdowns. It's one of those two things, ideally both. He had the volume, but what about the touchdowns? Well, he scored two touchdowns in his career, both of which were when he was a rookie. 
It's just absolutely insane how Matt LaFleur insisted on taking this man off of the field at different times. Like having a green zone tight end that you rely on and then just swapping him out for an old fart never made sense. Logically, it just doesn't make sense. And one of the things that we have to try to stop you know, doing as often as we like to do is bacon, quote unquote, rational coaching. You know, it's one of those things where, yes, of course, in an ideal world, they would do the rational thing, but not everybody does the rational thing because they're human beings. But this is one of those exceptions to that rule. This is where I actually <laughs> believe rational coaching will prevail because it's incredibly stupid the way that they did that. Yeah. So, so like, you he said, will you score. said, Matt, yeah, you said Matt LaFleur, uh, the, the best coach Nagy. in the league. Yes, Matt Nagy. Nagy. Yes, my yeah. bad. Okay. We oh, do man. not <laughs> like Matt Nagy in the fantasy football spectrum you know what not at all <laughs> he's the worst the worst head coach in the history of the league and he had a really high bar to cross uh with adam gase being in the same league mm-hmm. as him for so many years but we're talking about a guy who had a rookie quarterback who was running a 4 440 and didn't run any pre-snap motion put him in five-man protection schemes all day even in there's a six-man rush look uh no bootlegs no play action and zero run pass options we're talking about a guy who literally only ran run pass options at ohio state and you would think that an rpo that gave nick Foles super bowl mvp nick Foles was on that team and he didn't run rpos and we're talking about these quarterbacks a rookie out of ohio state and a backup or third string quarterback that won a Super Bowl purely running RPOs. And Matt Nagy's like, nah, bro, I got this. And guess what? They sucked. You know why? Because Matt Nagy's a moron. The guy has no idea what he's doing. He never called plays before he got to the Bears. When he called plays of the Bears, it was an atrocity of football every single time. And yeah, you got a guy like Cole Komet who got all the targets between the twenties and you get in the red zone and you throw in six foot seven, Jimmy Graham, who's basically just a uh, weekend at Bernie's. Who's really tall. Yeah. It, it, it infuriates me to, to watch that tape. The Chicago bears tape is infuriating from last year because I've been around the game of football since I was 12 years old. And this is pop Warner level stuff that he was coaching. Do you know who agrees with you? And it's very funny uh, for a player to say this is Miles Garrett was like, you got Justin Fields and you're treating him like he's uh, Tom Brady. You're just having him stand there, like (laughs) move the man around a little bit, like because Miles Garrett had five sacks and they were like, Miles Garrett, Mm -hmm. what what did you do? He was like, I ran straight to anything. Yeah, (laughs) they didn't do anything. I was just I was just there. When it seems like they didn't even for that game, that was his first start, I believe, where they they basically rolled out no game plan whatsoever. There was no game plan for that game because with nine total sacks, Justin Fields running for his life within a second of the snap. Miles mm-hmm. Garrett is probably one of the most freakishly athletic guys on the front on the defensive line in the whole league. And you have him chasing a guy who he's probably the same speed in a, in a short area space. So you're, if you're not moving the guy away from miles Garrett, guess what? Miles Garrett's going to get him. He's going to get him a lot. Uh, Even it's, it's just ridiculous. Like every time I pop in that tape, because I have to uh, it's, it makes me want to throw up because it's so bad. And I know that the Eberflus offense it remains to be seen what they can do. It cannot possibly be worse or as bad. 
That is true. And my apologies to you, Matt LaFleur. If you would like, uh, come on the podcast. I would let, I would love to talk to you. If you're out there, if you're listening, feel free. Like, just DM me. It'll be, it'll we can cool. just LaFleur got something out of Bob Tunyon. So I think LaFleur's <laughs> doing fine. <laughs> we can just badmouth people and have them come on. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's. That's what it's all about, man. It's the beauty of having your own podcast. You know what I mean? Because I want LaFleur's eyebrows. I, his, his eyebrows are fierce. That is true. He does have some nice eyebrows. And you know what else will raise some eyebrows? Ooh. Some of these questions that we got from the mailbag to close out the program. Yes. Let's go. Nailing these right. today. This is absolutely right. wonderful. So we got this one from Patrick Nolan on Twitter. Uh, kind of just asking about uh, players whose breaking news will either skyrocket or destroy their ADPs before August, which in the context of Scott Fishbowl is kind of an important thing to think about because it's like, well, we're doing this, you know, before camp. So that's a really big thing. Uh, I will start with one because I it's a free space and I'm the host of this podcast and I'm going to do it anyway. So it's just like I have to say it. You are in a win win situation no matter what happens with Kareem Hunt. You just are. Because if he remains in Cleveland, we have seen that he is incredibly valuable. And I think, you know, it's something like for some reason like people decided last year that we should draft him super high and then just like I, he was either last year or two years ago i don't know what it was but like when he was first there it was like a truly fascinating thing and people got weird about it and they were like oh so we just gotta so like the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction but it's like he's proven that whenever he's out there it doesn't matter that nick chubb's running in front of him kareem hunt's just really 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 good so if he remains in cleveland it'll be fine particularly with jacoby Brissett, presumably to be under center as far as things are trending in this direction right now that's a great thing for the running game in cleveland if jacoby Brissett's under center like at least from a volume standpoint so that will be super cool now if he goes because much has been made of the fact that you know the money that they could you know let free if they decided to do something with it there are quite a few teams where he could walk in and immediately make a difference tying into you know an offense we were talking about a little bit earlier in the program the new orleans saints Let's say Alvin Kamara does face a sizable suspension, but the front office is like, yo, guys, like, we're really trying to go for it. Like, what should we do? What should we do? Mark Ring is a little old. I love Abram Smith, you know, the UDFA out of Baylor. I mean, I have him stashed on some dynasty rosters just in case. But honestly, you know, much past that, I mean, Tony Jones is horrible. So, like, like that's that's a situation that potentially maybe that could be cool. And then also, we don't know what running backs are going to get hurt in training camp. So he could go to any one of those places for all we know. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a win-win no matter what happens with Kareem Hunt. That is somebody who, regardless of the news, like, you know, it, it won't implode his ADP, but it will either level, like, it will either stay level or it'll skyrocket. And if you get him in the SFB, where he's going now, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to like it. Uh, I got yeah. one at each position for different reasons. Uh, All right. First one, it's not going to be a Scott Fishbowl value in, in me and Bo's draft. It's Trey Lance. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is moving on. He's not going to be a 49er. They keep saying that he's everybody kind of agrees that he's going to be for fantasy, at least a very good, you know, top end quarterback. Um, you know, he, he didn't, he played in limited time last year, but he was really good for fantasy in that time. He's picked 14, 102 overall. The moment that Jimmy Garoppolo leaves that team, he's going to jump up into the top 100. Oh, he's 102 right now. Sorry. He's going to jump. <laughs> I was looking at the wrong, the wrong numbers here. He's going to drop up, jump up. I'd say probably quarterback nine. Uh, starting quarterback, that, yeah. he's, And he's 14 right now. Uh, another guy that could fall mm -hmm. a lot is Cam Akers. 
there's a lot of faith in what's going on with Cam Akers. There was a lot of like, well, we're just going to give you a pass for looking like warmed over dog crap at the end of the year last year because you did something miraculous. But if we start to get, you know, Cam Akers hasn't practiced, Cam Akers is ended up on pup, uh, training camp pup, not NFL, not regular season pup. That could be a thing where it's it drives down Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson is basically a forgotten man right now. It's a clear syllogism. If you don't believe in Cam Akers, then you should go take a shot on Daryl Henderson because Daryl Henderson's in like the 140s by ADP. He's an easy pick. Uh, another guy, Tyler Boyd. So Tyler Boyd isn't bad at football. Let's be clear. Tyler Boyd isn't bad at football. Tyler Boyd has two players that are better than him at the same position ahead of him. But Joe Burrow can support two guys at a high level. And two guys ahead of you doubles the chance that one of them gets hurt. If one of those guys gets hurt, you know, gets uh, uh, we we see it all the time. We had the the Ravens apocalypse where all their running backs got hurt in one day in training camp. If either Jamar Chase or uh, T Higgins suffers a training camp injury, Tyler Boyd's a top thirty uh, wide receiver and he's fifty right now. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. Albert Albert Oakwood Boonham, he's only going to go up. People are worried about Greg Dulcich. I don't care. He's only going to go up from here. He's pick one forty one right now, and he was hyped with Drew Locke, and then they traded Noah Fant, got Russell Wilson, and drafted a rookie tight end, and all of a sudden he went down in ranks. That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> so, Okoigunam. Yeah, so I, I, Albert O, or AOK <laughs> as we call him on, on my podcast, AOK uh, can only go up from here. That's true. That's all true. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little bit towards the top for mine because he's being drafted as the running back 20, and he has top one potential really uh Brees hall the rookie out of iowa state he was um, yeah. <laughs> running back 20 on adp and we're, we're we're seeing the second coming of jonathan taylor without i mean without even really appreciating what he what he can do uh in an offense that jonathan taylor had to work for his rookie season he didn't get the benefit of a wide zone offense from a shanahan tree uh, this is an offense that's catered exactly to Brees Hall's skill set. He's an extremely f- just freakish athlete. Uh, he's great at breaking tackles. He's a great receiver. He's a great pass protector. Brees Hall is the whole package, just like Jonathan Taylor is, and we just don't appreciate it. And all these, like, we, we just saw Brees Hall finish his college career with 22 straight games with a touchdown. And he goes to a, an offense that runs the Shanahan running game where we're coveting all whoever's starting running back in the 49ers. That's the guy we want until he gets hurt. Well, guess what? The Michael LaFleur offense under Robert Sala in the Jets, that offense is going to sing this year. And it doesn't matter how good Zach Wilson is because the system is good. It's the same system that made god-awful Jimmy Garoppolo look like something every once in a while. Zach Wilson's got more more talent in his pinky finger than Jimmy Garoppolo ever had. And he's got way more weaponry. He's got, he's got Garrett Wilson. He's got Elijah Moore. He's got Michael Carter, for God's sake. He's got Corey Davis. He's got all these guys that have tons of football talent, a better offensive line, and a great system to run it in. And, oh, by the way, we got the best running back in this in this rookie class, fresh legs coming into the league against a pretty soft schedule. If I'm being honest, the Jets have a really nice setup this year schedule wise. Brees Hall could very well be a top five running back right off the bat. And I'm going to bet that he's 
a lock to be better than RB20 because that's oh, not yeah. that high of a bar to cross. And salary cap drafts, he's even lower. He's 11 bucks, which is oh, uh, beautiful. It's five behind Eli Mitchell. It's 12 behind <laughs> James. It's 12 behind James Conner. It's 15 so he's behind, behind He's Cam behind Akers. a sixth round running back from last year that got hurt. And yeah, we're talking about a guy who is very talented. He's talented enough to be a first round pick, but of course that's not the way the league goes anymore. Uh it's just it's just crazy to me how we're like, oh, Breeze Hall, how good is he? Is he that much better than Ken Walker? Yeah, he kind of is. Like I, every time I pop in the Iowa State tape, just doing my my Debbie work, doing my doing my dynasty work, Brees Hall is the dude. <laughs> yeah, just here for the people at home, the Jets. When somebody says the Jets about a running back, Bo put it perfectly. Just think the 49ers. How excited would you be if the best running back in this class ended up on the 49ers? Because it's Ooh. essentially the same thing. And it's, you got to think of it be, that yeah. way. You should be just as excited imagining Kyle Pitts on the Kansas City Chiefs. Just think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this system turns junk into gold. Yes. Brees Hall is already gold. So I don't. Yeah. I, it's going to turn him into a diamond. A diamond. I think that's how alchemy works. So I think that'll. Yeah, that'll I'm pretty. That'll play. I'm pretty much hard as a diamond right now. Just talking about it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Damn it, Bo. <laughs> and then also, I think you know it's like, oh, but the Jets. It's like, yeah, because Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Becton are bad. Yeah, there are. They got beasts on the line. It's actually a really improving offensive line that people always forget about because people are frustrating as hell and sometimes i hate talking to people about sports uh they got a to belabor the 49ers point they got a key part of the 49ers run game in lake and tomlinson in free agency big facts it's, man. it's going to hurt the 49ers run game and it's going to help the jets run game that lake and tomlinson switched coasts yeah man dude so many good points being made and hopefully we can keep that rolling with a question that we got from the homie Corey Spalo shout out uh what is more important trying to win or just just going along with the experience you know because like Scott Fishbowl I mean like yeah we want to win but it's also you know kind of like a networking thing so you know like in the grand scheme of things do you care more about winning this tournament or do you just care about you know getting to know people and doing the thing like what, what's a better way to focus on this look I know people I don't have any Scott Fishbowl wins. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I know plenty of people. So, you know, but no, it's it's the thing about Scott Fishbowl, which is great, is that it's not cutthroat. Like, no, people want to win, but you don't have the, you know, nobody's going to do a Tommy fam and slap anybody else because of some Scott Fishbowl shenanigans. Everybody understands it's for charity. Everybody knows why we're here. There's not going to be any jerks. You know, there's very few jerks that end up in your Scott Fishbowl league. And, you know, I'm excited to see Bo. I'm excited to see a whole bunch of other people that are going to be the draft next week, because in the end, this is about community. You know, Herms, you started off this episode talking about reproductive rights stuff and Bo and I nodded along because we understand. And, and it's, this is more than, than fantasy. This is for charity. You know, this is, we're here for a reason, you know, at least that's why I tell my wife why I buy all the shirts every year. Yeah. Money's going to charity. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Like the Joe Biden quote helps everybody hurts nobody that's yeah, me buying the scott Fishbowl shirts yeah. these carbs don't count exactly <laughs> so it's it's just it's it's of course you want to win but there's two thousand people in this 
and there's 3, only 000. one winner. 3,000 this year. Okay. And there's one winner. So you want to win, but if you're banking on a one in 3,000 shot to be happy, <laughs> might I say, uh, men would literally, literally rather go for a one in 3,000 shot to be happy than go to therapy to both of me. Yeah. Absolute so, facts. <laughs> so everybody wants to win, but it's about the people. It's about the cause. It's about the, the Scott Fishbowl is bigger than, than most stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that on, you know, yeah. And then uh, we got this one from the homie Swagman, uh, Sam Wagman. Uh, shout out uh, another uh, friend, friend of the episode, uh, episode podcast. Yeah, that's our thing. Friend of from the episode. The, yeah, friend, well, yeah, no, he's a friend of the <laughs> episode because he has this question. Of course. Yes. So uh, we did kind of talk about this, but like it is, you know, kind of narrowing the scope a little bit. If you're trying to be conservative, if you're really not trying to be super outside of the box, what is the ideal start? in your drafts because I feel like there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be hesitant. If this is your first time and you don't want to rock the boat too much and you just kind of want to stick in some sort of lane, what would be a great way to start your draft? All the good players. Yes. The good ones that stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next question. No, yeah, you <laughs> just, you pretty much. Yeah. You pick the best player available and, and just hope for the best really because you're going to have whatever ranking system you're using to to guide you along this draft um i personally will use my own rankings because i'm a, just a horrible narcissist um but it's going to come down to just looking at my board my tiers or if you're if you're using somebody else's system or, or their rankings or tiers Make sure you just stick to it and be confident in each choice. You're gonna have a lot of time to make your selections. Don't get cute. Like if you're if you're trying to just say, hey, I'm gonna have fun, pick the players I like to root for, do it. Just do it. It's not gonna like like I said in the beginning of the show, is this the scoring system balances all the positions out. So there is no wrong strategy. Uh you're you're basically gonna you're gonna be you're going to be good if you stay healthy and you pick up the right guys on waivers in the early part of the season. And if you get hurt and you don't pick up the right guys on waivers, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. And it's still all going to be great for charity uh, toys for tots, especially uh, with the fantasy cares charity that runs the Scott fish has been running for 12 years. Now this is, this is great. It's all about giving um, Scott fish also, uh, I've been really lucky to befriend Scott Fish over, on an online basis, where uh, he's he's always been nice to me from the very beginning, like giving me my first invite as a fan who just happened to have a hot a famous hot sauce that was catching fire on Twitter that year. Uh, for me, it's it he always has advocated not just to give for the tournament, but to incorporate giving into your home league to dedicate one entry fee from your home league to, to, to be earmarked for charity. And I've, I've taken that on when I commission leagues uh, that that is part of the way, way I structure leagues, because that's, what's important. We, we want to make sure that we're giving back to the community, our community, our charities that we care about. Uh, and Scott fish is the catalyst for all of those things. So I, I'll continue to spread his message and hopefully continue to get invited to play in this wonderful tournament. Absolutely, my man. Absolutely. I, 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 to answer the question, I would say two quarterbacks with your first three picks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would, I would disagree. I would disagree. Well, he said to be conservative. That's, that's, I disagree, Jeff. <laughs> 
I vehemently disagree. Well, you can draft your team, and I will. Draft oh, I will. Team. I definitely yeah. will. And chances are, we're going to be in the drafting right up next to one another, and yep, it's going to be fun. Absolutely, and I'm really looking forward to you know any sort of you know fun pictures and you know videos from the events and all that stuff. And like I, I. Shout out everybody, just whether you're participating in a live draft or an online draft, whatever, doing meetups, a bunch of different stuff. It's going to be so much fun. I hope everybody has a blast and I hope that everybody enjoyed this fine episode of the program. I will wrap the last question that I have into outros because it kind of feels like a nice little parting gift to give away to everybody. Uh, so I'll start with you, Bo. Uh, in case they fell asleep at the beginning of the episode and they're just like, oh, wait, who's this voice? Oh, he's pretty cool. Where can I find him on Twitter? Oh, what does he do? Why don't you tell the people where they can find you, what you do, and just your your number one piece of advice. Not anything specific, just number one piece of advice for Scott Fishball. All right, so my name is Bo McBrayer. I am the shout-out NorCal guy on Twitter, at Bo underscore McBigTime. I'm a food entrepreneur. You can find my food products, hot sauce and spice blends, at BigTimeFlavor.co to from today through... 4th of July Pacific, 11.59 p.m. Pacific on Independence Day, which is Monday, July 4th. We're running a 15% off sale with the promo code FREEDOM22. Uh, make sure you get on that website, order yourself some goodies. Uh, we've been making your mother-in-law's cooking uh, tolerable since 2020. And it's it's going to be just, I'm known as the king of spice. That's, that's what I do is hot takes. I, I make the plausible seem more plausible by rationalizing long shots that may or may not come true. But when they do come true, I take epic victory laps. Um, I also consider myself to be the ultimate freelancer because I write for so many different organizations. Um, I just love to write. I love to create content that is both educational and actionable. I want people to enjoy this great game that we all share uh, an, an affinity for because it's such a great game and I want people to have fun. And that parlays into my answer for Scott Fishbowl is this is besides charity, the most important part about Scott Fishbowl is the networking. Uh, I've added so many followers and, and lifelong friends, including you, Herms. And I don't know if I met you through Scott Fishbowl, Jeff, but I feel like we can just lump it all together and say sure. that the Scott Fishbowl expands the community it brings people together and even if you just follow and follow back all the other people in just your division you can still make so many great connections um, i'm encouraging you to pretty much go through all the scott fishbowl hashtags and just start following accounts because most of them are going to follow you back and who knows what might happen in the future you might make you might make a lifelong friend you might you might meet your future boss you might meet meet a future person you might employ in the fantasy football space you just never know and i i just love the way that this brings everybody together especially with the live drafts happening this year for the first time. That's going to be so exciting. Uh, Jeff and I being in our third Scott Fishbowl in the first live one, that's, that's mm -hmm. it's just so cool to be able to go and tell my wife that I'm going, I'm going to be gone all day meeting my internet friends. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Dude, that's what it's all about. You nailed it right on the head. Uh, that boy, Jeff Crisco, in case uh, people nodded off and didn't hear, uh, where can they find you? Uh, what are you up to? And what is your number one piece of advice for Scott Fishbowl? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Crisco, K-R-I-S-K-O. I mostly say things that get me yelled at, either by politics or by saying something that makes you uncomfortable with what it means about fantasy football. Um, so right now <laughs> people are getting in my mentions because I said, hey, if 100 yards is a good game, no catches, right? Does that mean in PPR, like five catches and 50 yards is a good game? And people are yelling at me about that. So um, you can find that stuff there. You can also find pictures of my new puppy, Lila, um, and my older dog, Frankie, who if you heard a dog shaking her chain, that was that was her on her tag earlier. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Football Absurdity. I have starting July 1st, five articles a day for all of July. I'm putting out uh, a crap ton of player profiles and they're all about yeah. 700 words so you get a lot of information in there um and my number one piece of advice for scott fishbowl if this is your first scott fishbowl i'm i'm, I'm going to speak from experience just relax nobody's gonna these aren't like your home leagues where people roast the hell out of you if you make a bad pick Okay, just relax. It's like the advice when you go to the gym. Nobody's watching you. Nobody's looking at you. People will be like, hey, that's a good pick. Nobody's going to be like, oh, my. Hey, and you know, Matthew Barry's not going to get on a podcast and be like, this idiot took Traylon Burks in the fourth round in my Scott Fish. That doesn't happen. Okay, so just relax. Have fun. Talk to people. The pick four group chat from last year is still going that I'm in. I don't post it, but I just lurk in it and I read it. I'm still, it's still going. You can meet a ton of people, just relax and have fun. It's that simple. Relax, have fun. One out of 3,000 people win. Try to win, but if you don't, don't freak out. It's fine. It's fine. I know who I'm going to be razzing in San Francisco next week. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> be like, hey, this guy took Traylon Burks. Just uh, don't, don't take Traylon Burks in the fourth and I won't have a problem with it. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> See, now, now I have to decide if it's worth blowing up my Scott Fishbowl team for the bit. Just for the bit. And you're, you're, like, you're usually pretty committed to the bit, Jeff. Oh, I love bits. That's hey, what you, you can find me on Twitter doing bits. There you go. Yeah. You know, and, and that's also the beauty of the lateral show on Twitter at the lateral FF. We are always dedicated to the bit we have. I mean, we have a robot running the accounts and producing the podcast and all that. It's a, it's a yeah. I mean, Hey, you got to stay dedicated. If you like what you hear, just you know, please leave a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify or whatever. Haven't figured out what it actually does when you leave a good review, but I've heard it's good. And I do like good things to happen in my life so if you could just do me a favor leave a good review that would be swell the lateral show that's what you're listening to if you want to just do more than hear me uh you can follow me on twitter at herms nfl you can read my written content over at fantasy pros and you can just i don't know have fun in scott fishbowl straight up that's my number one piece of it it's fun it's a fun thing for fun and i say it's not just scott fishbowl it's it's fantasy football as a whole no matter what happens, no matter how frustrated people get and how chirpy things get on the timeline sometimes and whatever, and especially like the animosity that I'm sure, you know, bubbles under the surface of like the weird, you know, assholes that are just like, oh, I didn't get invited on oh, this whole thing. <laughs> like those oh people that pop up. Like, honestly, fantasy football is a made up game. It is a made up game about a real game. It is fun. It is a fun game for fun, 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 fun in the sun. It's fun. Whatever happens, stress-free, just you're good. At worst, your team gets decimated by injuries and you make friends. 
at best you make a bunch of friends and you win you know what i mean but either way that thing the the, the venn diagram right there in the middle the making friends yeah kind of a pretty cool thing so focus on the friendships don't care about the results and you know that's what it's all about so tune in next week when we talk about something else i don't know i don't plan anything you know and i think that's one of those things i got to start doing a better job of you know because it and this shows a perfect example because think about it it's just like i waltz and i'm just like hey guys you want to be on the podcast and it's like and then it's just like no planning whatsoever and it's like who the hell is this herms guy just being like hey let's talk about some random shit Beep, boop. follow the lateral on twitter at the lateral ff Beep, boop.